feel like I'm gonna have the giggles all episode. Alright. Alright, you can turn it down. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Flipping Tables podcast. Now, before I introduce my guests, I just want to thank you for tuning in. So if you're new to the channel and you think like we're giving you value, I just want you to click this little button down below. You're going to hear this little bell icon. And if you like that sound, I want you to click this other button, says subscribe. And now you get to hear notifications every single time we have an episode. Now, as you know, this podcast is all about limiting, limiting beliefs and flipping your perspective on life in general. And we've got a guest that's going to do just that. Joining us today is Tanisha Taylor. She's a powerhouse in the world of real estate and community investment. Tanisha is a strategist who transforms challenges into opportunities, advising property owners, companies, and nonprofit organizations on how to make the most of their resources. She's also an educator and a visionary, currently developing a project to boost the economic potential of South Florida's entrepreneurs and communities. Wow, that's a lot to say. In today's episode, we'll be diving into Tanisha's journey, her work, and her insights into overcoming challenges, seizing opportunities, and making a difference in the community. Whether you're a seasoned professional or a complete novice, there's something for everyone in this conversation. So without further ado, let's dive in and start flipping tables with Tanisha Taylor. Can we get a round of applause, please? That intro was brought to you by ChatGPT. ChatGPT. Um, it's actually super amazing what you learn from ChatGPT. Tanisha, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, that's a pleasure. I feel like we're going to learn a lot. And I'm probably going to ask you um, less questions than I've ever asked any other guest that we have here. Because mm-hmm. uh, you have a unique gift of expanding on a single point and you can go different places with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start off with a simple question. When you meet up with someone for the first time, how do you introduce yourself? So that's a great question. Um, because... I am changing that, actually. Changing it. I am. I initially introduced myself as a real estate consultant and entrepreneur. And while I love, I love real estate. Yeah. I love real estate. I'm in love with being an entrepreneur. Okay. And I'm probably going to drop the real estate consultant because the entrepreneur title is so encompassing. So I'm actually... Finding a way to reintroduce myself because for a long time, I will share this with you. Absolutely. For a long time, I was locked into being a real estate broker. I sort of fell into real estate. So you did it on accident? Like, how did you fall into it? I actually, my background was commercial banking. I was a commercial underwriter in the, I was an underwriter in a commercial real estate department and said, you know, I should move into entrepreneurship. Absolutely. I thought about it, was really scared to do it. And it was actually my mom that, <laughs> my mom said, if you are going to cry about this job yeah. every day, then you should quit and come work with me. And my mom's a realtor. Easy transition. Well, I was actually upset that she said it to me because I really loved the work at the bank, but it wasn't a friendly environment. I felt I was going to quit, Um, but I didn't want to quit because I wanted to be here and I liked the work. So four or five months later, I said, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. 
I initially thought that I was going to develop a real estate investment trust. I thought I would end up in real estate investments, maybe investment banking. And I said, but, you know, brokerage is a great place to start, and it's the entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship. Okay, I got you. That I was drawn to. And I said, it's in real estate, so I can springboard from there. Gotcha. And I did that, and then I left the bank. After how long? Well, I was at the bank two years. Okay. Left. I was really young at the time. I might have been 20. I was still 26. And then shortly thereafter, <laughs> the market crashed. Gosh, this is such bad timing. Such bad timing. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was, so what? said I wasted my life, my degree. I was like, oh, Lord, what a bad decision. And as I sit here, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. In hindsight. It was the best decision, hands down, that I ever made. It is, it wasn't easy. Um, it's ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. I don't regret it. There's some things I re- that I did in my 20s, not the, not the silly things. I was in a long-term relationship. I made a decision about school. I made decisions about other things that I, I'm like, that wasn't that great of a decision. This, I thought, was not a good decision. And it's the best decision I've ever made. I would, I would not change a thing about it. How long did it take you to realize that it was the best decision you ever made? Because I know when you're in the situation, like you were saying, it's probably thinking it's the craziest idea ever. Let, let me so tell when you, did you. Let me tell you how this played out. Okay. So the market crash was like, oh, so I'm done. <laughs> like this is. Let me let me go and figure 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 out another plan. Yeah. And at that time, couldn't get a job. Only job I could get was, I think, in North Dakota. Couldn't get a job. Um, forget banking at the time. Couldn't sell a house if, if <laughs> I tried. That's such a bad, oh, man. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to go back to school, and I'm going to put this whole thing behind me. And I actually ended up in another graduate program for accounting, to get a ma- and I got a master's in accounting. And it was... During that program, okay. I at the same time, I ended up getting a, uh, a consult with a small business development center. And <clears throat> that's a story for another day. But <laughs> I ended up getting, getting a, a freelance contract as a technical writer. That's awesome. And then they, they didn't have anyone that could um, write financial, financing proposals. And they didn't have anyone that was really good with numbers, and I was. So that turned into a financial, financial consult. I was with them for three years through my graduate program. And I said, oh, I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to sit for the CPA exam and I'm going to move on with my life and this will be just a memory. And it was during those three years that I realized, not realized, it was at, over those three years, I said, what if I just... Try, looked at it differently. Yeah. What if I tried something else? And I rewrote my entire business plan the first year of that grad, in the first year of that grad program. And I said, okay, I might be able to pull this off. And then as I was writing finance, um, financing proposals for other small businesses, I said, oh, there's resources here. I said, oh, here are other people who are succeeding and in the same place. So during that grad program, I completely turned my business around, and by the time I graduated, I won my first contract with a municipality. That is awesome. Give you a round of applause. 
that's that's that's, that's how crazy. I and I have yet to see for the these years later. I plan because now it's a life goal. You didn't do it. No, because at so when I when I finish yeah. the graduate program, this and so this is the ongoing joke, right? Because I say I'm going to do it. I say I'm going to do it, and then I have it. And I said, now it's just it's just now a life goal. Yeah, <laughs> I, have to, I have to sit for it. Do you have like a, I, a reason why you want to do it? Is it just just to actually do it? Well, just I, to say I you went did to, it. I went to school to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I spent all this money. Yeah. <laughs> to get it. It meant something. But <laughs> the opportunities I had at the time. Mm-hmm were what they were if I the exam isn't going anywhere yeah and I said this may and that was a great run for like four years I won contract after contract I co-founded a nonprofit. I won three million dollars in grant okay she's saying all this really fast hold on hold on there was it was it was a good it was a good run it was a really good run but you know that was the first time I hit rock bottom and you know the recession the recession set a lot of people back in a number of ways. And maybe another conversation. Absolutely. Um, but it was during that time when I was studying and and just your mind is in a different place in college. And it just, I said, well, what if I tried this? What if I tried that? Maybe, and I got to research. I'm researching for school and then I'm seeing these, these business, other businesses, and I'm researching for them. And I said, well, maybe I haven't tried everything. What do you mean by that, that your mind is in a different place um, in college as opposed to being in the workforce? Because you get tunnel vision. Mm, I got Right? You. When you are in your business, in your work, you are so focused. And sometimes you don't, a lot of times, you don't have the perspective mm. that you need. Right. So, for example, I I sit on three boards and two of those boards are for networking. One of them is specifically non-industry related. One, I do. It's education related. I am an advocate for education. But two, it's perspective. I can't always be involved in things that are real estate and entrepreneurial related. You lose perspective. That's a good point. Um, Same thing with reading which is why you read about people outside of reading. I'm, I love productivity. I love business books. I love marketing books. But other people have insights that give you perspective that you can How do you find that balance, though, as far as, you know, focusing in on what it is that you, you do, like you're saying, right? You sit on two boards. Two of them is what you do. Um, how do you find that balance of making sure that you don't lose perspective of what you're working on but at the same time, still actively working to understand what's out there. You have or, to be intentional. Okay. Um, I, so for a long time I was out of balance. Like this is, this is my work. This is, this is a lifestyle. So let me say that entrepreneurship is a lifestyle and it's not one of these, Oh, you not know like what Instagram. we see? Not no, it's it's not that. It is, <laughs> it is it is a life. It is not getting not getting a check every week or every other. And then you know you hear that. Yeah. But you are still supposed to pay yourself. So what does this look like? You have yourself on payroll. You pay yourself when you pay everybody else. If there's other people, you're okay. so, so good. Cash flow management is you are on the books and you you receive a check, right? Yeah. And when your business has no money, you now have to take the check that you paid yourself and put it back in. That's called contribution. That's the part that no one talks about. Yeah. And, and what we do in practice is we, we, we punt. So we don't 
pay ourselves on the books because we're like, it, we don't have enough this month. You make sure you hit payroll and then you put yourself behind. Oof. And then you go to try to buy a house and you can't create a W-2 for yourself. Mm, I didn't even think about Those, that. Yeah. yeah, there was a conversation on Twitter about that. And it's very true. I fell into that, right? Not that you can't be a self-employed person and produce K-1s and, and income statements to qualify for financing. Yeah. It's not that. There are a lot of entrepreneurs that have the money. But underwriting is easier when you have a W-2. It just is. There's fewer questions because then they have to look at profit and loss. They have to look at your schedule. Is that just for housing or is that for everything else? Because I know a lot of people get, um, for example, like cars under their business or um, just buy things and put it under the Well, for housing, also. yes. If you want to okay. get a mortgage and you are self-employed, how you pay yourself is, is important because they have to underwrite based on that. Now, you can qualify based on, you know, if you're taking distributions and all of those things, that's, if the money's there, the money's there, but it becomes more complicated. Gotcha. So you have entrepreneurs that have not paid themselves and then can't, can't finance. That was part of uh, the, the challenges with some of the PPP applications. Mm. They weren't paying themselves and it, some of those funds, a lot of those funds were going towards payroll. So if you are not on payroll... Right off now, the bat. Now you had K-1s, but there were there were businesses that were in, and if you are not drawing, if you're not drawing down as much, right, through your K, if you're not taking distribution. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Or as much as you would if you were paying yourself, then you got less financing. And uh, so those, those are things that I learned along the way, too. Yeah. No, it's rough because I know... A bunch of entrepreneurs, and I could tell you for a fact, they're not 100% as far as like on their books, myself included, um, definitely not 100%. So to hear like a story like that, what well, man, yeah. you could have actually used those funds if you just did what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and, it, and it's hard. And one of the, and, and I was told this before and, and was late in applying it, <laughs> <laughs> late in applying it. but you pay yourself and then you write a check back to your business. Oh. And that's, that's really, so you know, you might be technically you're negative, but then you'd have to, you still have to you, pay you're the, putting the money back in. So it, it's, it looks better. So you, you're still paying yourself, but exactly. the accounting, the accounting is what, but it's the accounting. It is what it is. You, you're supposed to get paid from, from this. Entity. That is wild. Can you hit another button, please? I don't know what button we have. That, uh, do we, I think we have a cash register button. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. That is wild. I have a, a great friend. Um, shout out to Michelle Pemberton from Absolute Accounting Business Services. How you doing, Michelle? She is a uh, she's a been a godsend, and we do a lot of work together. And that's her sage advice: you got to pay yourself. I mean, it seems so simple, but I can see how it makes all the difference in the world, and just mm -hmm. you can avoid a bunch of headaches. What do you think are a couple other? Let's go with two. Let's go with three be fun. Three misconceptions, and I know you kind of alluded to it, that people have when it comes to entrepreneurship, like the main ones you constantly see, especially for like the beginner entrepreneur. So currently that it's glamorous. Okay. I love that more people are considering entrepreneurship as a career. I've been an entrepreneur a long time. When I graduated, um, when I graduated with I have an MBA. So when I did the MBA, 
entrepreneurial MBAs were just starting to, to become prevalent. Okay. Now almost every school has an entrepreneurship program. That is fantastic. I do think it is glamorized, and that is a misconception. It was not glamorous. Is it the freedom that makes it so appealing to people? It's the freedom. It's, it's the freedom. It is, um, and it's the marketing of, of it, right? It is, I, I, love, I love the boss culture. Okay. What do you I mean do. by boss culture? I, have, I love I have that, an idea. right, where yeah. it is, I'm a boss, Miss Boss, right? I'm the boss. And um, I love boss culture, but there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And that's why when you get into it, you find um, some people struggle with leadership, right? 100%. One person, let me tell you the reality when you hire people, when you're responsible for payroll. Oof. And... The reality is, is that I have met entrepreneurs who have made payroll and they could not pay themselves. Mm. I've been there. I never miss payroll for eight years. That must be a horrible feeling. I mean, a great feeling in the fact that you make and sure I, you take care of your people. But yeah. I mean. And, not, and I say eight years not because I'm missing payroll now. Don't, don't confuse <laughs> so that. You know, just, no, no. Um, I, so I have uh, sales associates who are contract staff, but I had part-time staff. And I had a, a sales assistant who's no longer with the company okay. for health issues. But when I have staff, and I've had one and I've had up to eight people on staff, I don't miss payroll. And I've made payroll and I have not gotten paid. There have been those, those periods where that's happened. So boss culture means, you know, making sure that the people that are working for you get paid, making sure you meet your obligations, making sure that um, notification. I saw one show where the woman that was running a, a, a sales office, a real estate sales office, Yeah. Just changed the commission split. Just like like warning, in a meeting, just, it was it was like effective in ten days. Like that's horrible. like that's that's a, that's, that's money's income. Yeah, that yeah. you know. So those things. So I think it's it's glamorized that you could just do what you want, and there's a cost. There's a cost to be the boss. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um. I think that reality check that you can do most of what you want. <laughs> you can do most of what you want. And um, paying your dues is part of that, too. Uh, that is a, a, was a hard lesson for me, too. I thought, I, I'm like one of the most impatient people you'll ever meet. No way, not you. I have a good cover. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm not that patient. I am tenacious. I can, I can play the long game, but I'm really not patient. And this journey has um, been a test, uh, <laughs> test in, in, in patience. Patience is a virtue. It is. And you want things to happen right away on your schedule. 
because you're in charge so you can make that happen. And Are you saying as far as like your staff making sure um, they're doing things in a timely manner for fulfillment or are we talking more client side? Both. Okay. I think you just want to see certain things happen in a certain way. And I'm, and I'm not saying that they won't. I'm just saying when, when they don't, right? We, we see some, I, I read something on, I'm on Twitter a lot, but I read something that someone said that someone tweeted and it was like, a lot of what's in social media are the successes, right? Yeah. And I mean, it was three years before I won my first grant. Doesn't sound like a long time, but I applied every year and it wasn't the only, like it, we won nothing for three years, right? Yeah. I am, I, part of what I do as a, as a consultant is compliance and I'm, one municipal contracts I've subcontracted on with other companies that have won federal contracts, but I have yet to win as a, a prime or sub gotcha. uh, tier. Yeah. And I'm going eight years into this. Right? So you're you're you have these wins, yeah. but some some things and big things take time. And that was that ultimately is the lens. Big things take time. That is crazy. But it is yeah, there's things that I want that I'm going into a decade trying to achieve. I was like, I don't know if someone had told me that when I started. If I was like, <laughs> what? This is supposed to happen now because you see people, right? You're yeah. seeing it and they're there. Yeah. And you have to have conversations like this. Like, this is what, like what it is. Like, I didn't get paid. Yeah. I... When the recession came, I had seven hundred dollars on my account. I mean, there are people who have said, "I'm gonna bet, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna hope and pray and walk out this faith to get here." Would and you Would you say that another misconception is instant gratification? Yes. Mm. The the glamour the that it's glamorous that it happens fast is a misconception, and. Um, that it's not that it's easy it's just it's perspective right like it, it really is it's um it change you have to change the way you think you do you have to change your way i'm like i'm done well that was this is another episode but, but, uh, <laughs> but, but think about it right like i but i would almost i, I i'm gonna say okay when when it failed, right? I was, I was eight, about 18 months, maybe, yeah, about 18 months into entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. When the market crashed. And I said, well, I could quit now or I could um, do something else. And I said, I'm going to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. I'm, I'm going to try this again, yeah. you know, later on when things are better. And I really still could have. I know people who just did it, who just did it. And I, and I just really, you know, if you haven't thought about quitting, I don't think you're having the right experience. Like, me no, it, you're not doing it right. Me and Tiffany no, literally were just talking it, about it, that. Not it, quitting, but like not it, being, being afraid to start something new after something failed. Listen, mm. and, and what's now what is great about entrepreneurship now is people are talking about their failures. They weren't. A decade ago. So 
Uh, I mean, you media feel is definitely helping with that because you get it to see is, like, the heights. It and is, and you up. and you have some honest people that are here that are like, I was broke. I was this. It was hard. It was really hard. I didn't figure. I didn't figure this out, and that was huge because for a long time I felt like a failure. Mm-hmm. For a long time I felt like I was like, this should have worked. It's supposed to work. It worked for this person. Worked for that person. And then I met them, and they were like, Mm-mm. <laughs> they were That's like, Mm-mm. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't make it until it was I was six seven eight years into this when it started to get really good, right. and I was like, really. Now we're now I hear more of those conversations. So I think if it's not, if someone would say if it's not challenging, it's not kicking your ass. hundred <laughs> percent. Right? Yeah, like, 100%. like if you're not, you're gonna get some shots in in the ring. But if it's not kicking your ass, <laughs> you don't hit the ground a couple. Then, times. then I don't think you're in it. That's a I don't think you're in it. And if you're in it and you feel like you're getting your ass beat, yeah, <laughs> stay. You know that's a good point, and that, that you're 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 gonna get there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're you're going to get there. Hit it twice. If you can. <laughs> Great. And I think that's. I actually, don't use my colorful language, right? but no, but, that's, no, but yeah. I agree with you, and I actually, while you were saying it, I think it's actually an interesting approach, and I would actually take that approach if someone asked me about it to kind of, not in a way like scare them away from it, but really tell them all the things that could go wrong, and if they're still excited about it, yeah. then you're like, okay. Yeah. You can do this. What what you want is for someone to say, well, how, okay. So how did you overcome how, that? How'd you, how'd you get past that? Yeah. I will tell so why I love this and why I'm so supportive of you. Appreciate Along it. the way, I met some people that were not who I thought would have been supportive being the only woman in a leadership position, being Mm. someone who looks like me in a position, and they were not helpful. And when I say helpful, I'm not talking about you should give me a contract. I'm talking about when you were here at this time, how did you get there? Right, the the informational Do you think that's like um, part of the culture, like competition as opposed to, I'm gonna say collaboration, but do you feel like the culture has kind of shifted? As far as um, um, I think collaboration. I I think the culture the culture of collaboration is thriving, and I'm glad to see it. But I gave that example because I promised myself I would never be that person. Mm, Got you. I will never be the person that doesn't share the information. I have another friend who's an entrepreneur, and we just realized that we are the first. We are the first generation for a number of for my family are the first generation that went to school here. I was born in Jamaica. My mom and dad immigrated. And my sister was the first generation to go to school here, get to college, start I starting a business. And there was no uncle. There was no legacy. I'm figuring this out. So were they. And we just said, we, ha- we had to get good with, okay, we're the first. We're going to figure it out. And what we're not going to do yeah. is not share. Mm. So, you know, when I meet someone and they say, well, how do you, how do you put together a grant application? Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about, and I've seen, I've benefited from people who have said, I'm going to help you. And I've seen the people who didn't. And it was hard because you're like, wow, the feeling. And you're like. 
and never want anyone else to feel that. I don't want him to feel that way. Yeah. Do you think I that, don't want to feel that way. It might sound like a crazy question, but do you feel like in a way it helps people when they have no other option or outlet? Because there's a couple of people that I've talked to that when they got to the point where it has to happen or it has to happen, that's when they kind of made things happen. Do you think there's a benefit to that? Or like you were saying, to always have that person that can, no, no, no. All you need to do is just change this, change this to kind of help you through the process. Like, do you see so more I, of a direct benefit or is it kind of just situational based on the person? I see that as two different things. Okay. I think when your back is against the wall, you become a different person. Mm, for real. That, that's just it. My mom was a single, single mom. She didn't think she would be. And she's like, when she, when she, re, when she realized, like, this is what it's going to be shortly after her and my dad split, she's like, you become a different person. Mm. So there's that. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. um, now, mentorship is valuable. And what we have is a lot of informal mentors. But when you have someone that says, this is how you do it. This is where you go. This is what you say. That is what we want. Right. That's not what most of us get. Mm -hmm. And mentorship is like a, is a relationship. People have to connect. But the people that you're connected with can provide more mentorship. Someone has to say, I really want to see you do well. And this is what it, you also have to be willing and open to that. Yeah. Right? So it really is a relationship. And we don't have enough real mentorship. What is, I think, equivalent is modeling. Mm, okay. So you, people who have modeled what you want to do are the people that become your informal mentors. Right. Mm, okay. So I think I see this two different things. I don't think your back needs to be against the wall for you to, to um, I don't think it's like the urgency the versus other. someone helping you. It, it's two separate, two separate things because everything can't be survival mode. Mm, yeah. Everything, it you can't, can't get be. stuck there. And then when you, and then, you know, when you're in it, like the recession was hard for everybody. And that's what was different about this entrepreneurial experience and the businesses that came out of that are so strong, but that was a long, that was a long, hard road for a lot of people, myself included. And when you're in something for a long time, you, every, everything starts to look like that. When you're in the dark, mm. your eyes adjust. 100%. And that's not good because then you stay in that survival mode. Regardless of anything. Right? Going on and people you. say, you survive, you gotta thrive. Well, the context is, is like when you have been working all those hours, when you have been concerned about scarcity, when it's been hard, everything can't be hard for too, for so long because mm. then you approach everything the same way. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. It, and, and that's the perspective that you have a different mindset once once you have made some money and now you got to grow, you got to think about growth which is partly why you have so many people working in their business and not on their business because for a long time and even now, I'm like, I remember when I didn't have any money. So it's hard for me to say no to opportunities. I've gotten better because I don't want to be without. You don't feel like you're missing out on an opportunity that you didn't yeah, have Yeah, because I had $700 and I was like, oh, we're going to close. <laughs> What's up? This is it. <laughs> Survival mode. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like... You're 100% right because um, I've heard it put a slightly different way. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Myron Golden before, 
Um, I took one of his courses and the way he broke it down, like, or the biggest message I took from him was um, there's two seasons, essentially, like two main seasons in life, mm-hmm. right? Focus and um, what's the other word? You know the other word. I told you the thing. It's focused and it's a C word. I'm going to get it. Oh, balance. It's not a C word. It's balance. Mm-hmm. Threw me so, all the way off, Dan. Right? I was just testing. <laughs> See if you're paying attention. Um, focus and balance, right? So mm-hmm. he was saying, when you're focused, you can't be balanced. So a lot of people try to find a balance in life when they should be focused to fix whatever. Let's say they're in a terrible situation, right? Mm-hmm. Situation like you were saying, $700, you need to find a way to make it happen. But when you finally get there, that's the time where he says you don't need to stay in that, that focus mode. You can mm-hmm. be a little more balanced. And then mm-hmm. when something's a little off, maybe my relationship's suffering, I need to focus on that. Mm-hmm. When you get that there, be balanced. When something's yeah. falling off, you focus. And when I heard it like that, I was like, it kind of makes sense. And it kind of goes to when you're in uh, intense mm-hmm. focus and people are telling you, you know, you need more balance or, ah, oh, you're doing that too much. You kind of just have to block the noise. And mm-hmm. um, I, guess, I guess in a sense, just listen to your own voice. Like I, I can't figure out a, a better way to kind of, self-gauge when to go in and out of those two, um, I guess, mindset. You ask me what I think about that? Mm-hmm. So, um, so what comes to mind when I, when I hear that, and I have not, um, I have not read uh, Myron Golden, mm-hmm. his books, but now I have to look that up. But what comes to mind is seed time and harvest time. Mm, 100%. And um, there's a time, you should always be sowing seeds. Whether you recognize it or not, you are, which is why how you treat people, how your energy, the energy you bring to things, you're always sowing seeds. Mm. It's not easy to manage that every day, but it is a daily thing. What am I bringing to this? What is the energy? Those are seeds. Who am I kind to? Who am I supporting? Who have I shown goodness to? All of those are seeds. There's seed time, and there's harvest time. And some of us are in harvest, and some of us are sowing. 100%. Mm-hmm. Right? And while you're harvesting, you're planting some new seeds. So what I love about seed time and harvest time is that it is perpetual. If you are um, a faith-based person, then you recognize there will always be seed time and all. Oh, it's harvest time, which means that what you plant should yield fruit. Should, should, mm. it should, you should harvest from what you are planting. And I'm not just talking about money. If you sow goodness, you reap bitters. You can't sow corn and reap carrots. <laughs> so you have to sow yeah. what you want. And same thing in your business, right? You, you're constantly sowing and you're constantly harvesting. Some harvests are small, but you have to be harvesting something, which is why it's important to celebrate the small wins. Because mm. out of small things come great things. Absolutely. And you take your small wins and you plant and other things are coming. And there are seeds you are going to sow that you will not see. People are like, oh, yeah, that's what. Listen. You're benefiting from seed sown, and you want to be intentional about the seeds you sow that you will not see, right? That's legacy. Mm. So Mm. seed time and harvest time, 
is what I gather from that. That is um, what I think about often, more often now. And um, what entrepreneurship has done for me uh, has forced me to activate my faith. I don't know where anybody else, where you or anyone else is in their, in their faith walk, yeah. but this is hard to do when you don't have some point of reference, when, you know, you are going to, you are going to doubt yourself. You are going to be concerned when you have, I took a, it was, I took a lot of blows for uh, some years. It was like a three year period. And I was just like, wow, maybe I'm not good at this. And then the narrative was really not positive mm. because when things go on for a long time or long enough, not even long time for long enough, you start to question it. Right. You're just stuck. And there. you have to go back to something. And I had to go into prayer. And I had friends that were like, You are not your business. Mm. You are not the sum of right, the sum of your failures and your successes. Yeah. You are you and you are not any less gifted because this didn't work. You are not any less talented because this doesn't work. And this culture we have now of Failure being redirection is the best thing. When I heard it, when it was introduced, I think the first time I heard it was Oprah. Oprah said failure is redirection. Interesting. And I was like, where was that? <laughs> I that started, whole right? time. That whole time I was like, that? this whole time I was beating myself up about <laughs> this failing and, and, and this, that, and the other. And I was like, what? Oh, man. Yeah, that's but, funny. It, but you need to hear that because it doesn't mean you're any less. It just means that might not be it and maybe this isn't the door but you sowed some seeds in that failure and yeah. you sowed some seeds in that in that success and they you'd be funny you'd be surprised at what will come to fruition at different times i actually think that makes you a lot tougher than someone that didn't go through that like you were saying Absolutely. um you know uh, like nothing's either good or bad it's just thinking that makes it so so even though you had those tough situations happen to you. Um, now you definitely do have something to draw from. And I say that because I want to get your thoughts on this, I guess, recession that we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. um, how do you compare it to what happened to you um, in 2009? Um, no, see, like 2008, nine, 2008, nine and going into 2010 was completely, um, it was a once in a lifetime experience. And I mean, I, I will tell you, I sense that when I was talking to this, talking to the real, my real estate group about this very thing about a month ago, where they said, remember when we had like 52 deals on the board and then in like two weeks, it just, all of them started to cancel? Yeah, Tyler comes we have 52 closings on the board. And I said, I remember, and I said, I had three deals that were supposed to close in, in that two week period. Just to see fifty two and then off and then like and then the banks were like we're pulling all our approvals, right? And you're like, that's wild. What is what is this? And it, it was just, um, I said, well, maybe it will, maybe it will rebound in a few months. I had a little money saved, and it didn't. So as as uh, um, as a millennial, as one of the older millennials. What's this our third recession? Mm -hmm. Right? So <laughs> I had to think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it like our third it. recession. Yeah, I got you. So 
it, what's good is that we have learned to live in instability. Mm. Right? We had to to find a way to to make it work, whether it's up or down. I had to find stability and instability. But overall, you know, the recession, uh, the Great Recession of 2008-9 wiped out portfolios for people. 100%. Right? And, and we are seeing, now we're, and I said this before, I said we are going to see the result of policy decisions and this, this um, event because when you, when you plan for retirement, your home is a large part of that. Right, it's twenty-five a third per third of your retirement. When you talk about people who lost their home, okay, so you lost your home. That potential for your retirement is gone. gone. Yeah. When you lose your home in foreclosure or short to a short sale, mm. your credit impaired. You're locked out of the credit market for at least three years. If you foreclose, maybe five. If you file bankruptcy, seven. Oh. So if you foreclosed in 09, it was 2016. If you file bankruptcy in 09, 2016 is when you could rebound. So all the wow. deals, all the deals in 09, 10, 11, the pricing, the 70, 80,000, you could buy those unless you're buying cash. Mm. So here you are, credit impaired, coming out in a higher market, mm. higher financing That's than what you probably had then. Mm. Or even if financing was favorable, you, you've That's lost seven years, right? So now you have throw, you know, you have all of these people who are underfunded for retirement because some of them couldn't get back into market. Why? Because of supply. That's wild. I right. So, about it like so now you see the conversation. Well, nobody's prepared for retirement. Duh. Right. Millennials are like, I, I can't afford to do things. Well, so what's going to happen to all the people who lost assets are rebuilding, right? Seven years locked out. Now we're in a higher interest rate environment. We're not building more homes for purchase in this in this area building more homes for rent exactly so exactly where are we going to build the retirement portfolio what's going to anchor it so you know so now you have the generation of bitcoin and investment well you gotta of your uh, for your generation you have to figure out what you're going to invest in to so you're not destitute yeah right in in your old age but that's what the recession did and i knew it because I was affected too. I was in real estate. My heavily invested in real estate. So now you look at all of that wealth that was wiped out, all of that equity that was wiped out. Because remember, they they foreclosed on mortgages that were two fifty. Say mortgage was two hundred thousand, and then okay. turned around and sold it for seventy. My so now you have wow. someone. You now you have you have a swath of people that were owners that entered into the rental market. And then had to re-enter into buyer's market, credit impaired, paying more money. And, you know, it, 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 it was a disadvantage for, uh, for many Americans. And I'm not just talking color. I'm just talking about Americans who were affected by it. And 
now we're starting to see people like, oh, I'm going to have to work longer. I'm going to have, how am I going to do this? I'm just going to continue to rent because I can, my portfolio can support rent, not, you know, Actually, buying a house or yeah. things like that. So that's, that's the effects of that. That's wild. I never thought about it from that perspective. Oh yeah. There's the a lot of so people close on, to it. I was like, wait, yeah, that's why they say where the millennials are the poorest generation. And it, and it's true in a lot of instances because we, you know, we just, we just don't have the financial capacity that we should. Yeah. And, um, those that had and lost are less prepared for retirement as a result. There are people I know that lost homes and still haven't purchased. To this day. Yeah, to this day. And, and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing because given the craziness in the market, but mm-hmm. you just have to think about, okay, well, this is not the asset I'm going to be invested in, so they had to figure it out. But a lot of, I mean, that's a significant part, portion of a retirement portfolio is your, your home. That is wild. As you sell and then you downsize and you put the cash into your into your retirement. Yeah. So. Man, it was um Brandon, what was it yesterday when we saw the um I guess Disney is in the process of laying over I think like seven thousand people. Yeah. Which is wild. Um starting with but, ESPN. <laughs> yeah. So Oh, so is that that's what yeah. Yeah, ESPN is a part of Disney and they got rid of a bunch of their on air talent, even more so people in the back. I saw that. Which was wild. So let me tell you why this one, although I wasn't as close to it, um, as far as the housing market, kind of scares me more. The automation of AI and I've been studying like crazy for the past six months. And just the things that it can do that used to take thousands of people to do, mm-hmm. like collaborate in a week. Mm-hmm. You could do it on your own in less than an hour. Yeah. So now I'm seeing the job market just dissipate. And the crazy thing is, when you see something like that, you don't believe it's going to affect like the quote unquote like art community, right? Oh, and the it creatives. Does. But that's the first thing that it's hitting. Yeah. Really? So if yeah. it's hitting that, and it can do things that the analytical mind can do, mm. it's getting to a point where where do we end up in five years? Because obviously you can't control it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep developing. Um, it's, I mean, what do you do? What do you have people do as far as work looking, looking far in the future? That, that's a big question. I don't, I don't have the answer to that, but I will say that what we, what we don't understand will become a threat. And I mm. do think that we do need to understand and learn how to, how AI works, how it's going to be applied. I saw um, a caption on something that was online. I saw a caption on someone's yeah. on a YouTube about, they're learning how to use AI. So they're basically becoming the translator of the liaison for yeah. their company for that. But that's, awesome. but that, that's a thinking person. 100%. Right? Mm-hmm. Because um, skilling up is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> skilling oh, yeah. up is a no, real it's, thing. It's, like the, it's yeah. like the film industry right now. You know, they're, they're in a strike, or they're in a writer's strike right now because they're using AI to write a lot of these films and television, which used to take you know, three producers and six writers, they're yeah. down to one producer and two writers, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it, I, what that looks like to me is like, either you're gonna, you're gonna start, your rewrites are gonna be faster or you're gonna be outsourced by AI, but you know what I mean? I don't think you can beat AI at that, you know what I mean? Because it's, it just moves faster. Well, just get ahead of it. Yeah, if I know you're gonna use AI to do a rewrite, I'm gonna just make the rewrite already. I'm gonna write three different versions of this of this story. 
gotcha, you got gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. You, know, like you don't like that one? I got another one for you. And just keep it coming. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's the reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? The only yeah. thing that I could think of um, as a solution, and this is just basically off the top of my head, is just really getting into skill stacking. Um, just making yourself more unique by being able mm -hmm. to take different skill sets that used to yeah. be one person's specialty yeah. and finding a unique way to um, just make it your own. Yes. Which kind of also feeds into the uh, personal branding I feel is basically mandatory now. Yeah. Um, when you look at the landscape, I feel like if you don't have a personal brand, um, I mean, essentially the people that I'm seeing that don't have a personal brand are really suffering right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only going to get worse and worse. Because at mm. the end of the day, um, being able to do certain skills is just getting commoditized. Mm. So I believe having a personal brand and just skill stacking and just having a unique um, value proposition, I feel like, is the way our economy is kind of going right now. I, I can agree with that. I, I Again, I definitely think getting ahead, learning about it, getting ahead, finding out what where you fit is not just recommended, it is essential. Um it is in terms of personal branding and really doing that skills assessment to create your your offering. I think so. Realtors are really good at niching, mm. and I and that that skill that's a skill. And I'm so glad I was exposed to it in and being a, in being a realtor because that's what where we're at now. Hundred percent. That this whole you know community and these are and these are hard things to do building community maintaining your presence but understanding that group and then getting the most out how of how far group. do you niche down as, um, from a realtor's perspective when you say niche down like how specific oh, are listen, you getting there's some realtors that can that can get really granular it's like I sell homes with the best home offices and they can you know accommodate big dogs i mean it's just <laughs> it, it, it gets really great from awesome. it used to be just oh you know um intercoastal property and and i teach the real estate course yeah and i tell my students i'm like so who in here is gonna sell intercoastal property because i need a friend that's <laughs> that's an intercoastal but 100%. you know from just roof you know rooftop access from whatever you can find that's unique and then find a bunch of those right. types of properties. Realtors have been doing it a long time. We sell this community. We sell this condo. We sell this area. To this, this type, type of people. To this type of person. Well, we sell this because to say this type of person is violation of fair housing. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. but to say we, we're sell, we've, it's area farming. Got you. Right? So area farming is, is niching. We sell here. We sell this here, and we know everything about that. Exactly. Right? So that's that was um, a great introduction. So I think we are starting to see these micro microservices, these That is awesome. These, you got to learn that so niche. early. Because that's... Niching say, down. That is the toughest thing for me so far in my journey, was niching down. And even when I'm helping other people with that, it's yeah. getting them to niche down. Because in your head, you're thinking you're leaving people out. I can, yeah, I can also help them. Yeah. You want to help well, everybody, but it's not meant for everybody. Well, and then, so finding the right, defining the right customer is so challenging sometimes because you really have to, un you have to understand, let me say it this way. When you do, you say, I want to uh, target this customer. 
this is the segment I want to I, I want to focus on. Okay. And what I have seen is we don't quantify how much we're gonna how much how large that market is. Niches are mm. tend to be smaller because they're not mass market, but where we are is we find ourselves scared to say no because you're like, well, you know, this is a segment mm -hmm. and I'm saying no to business that's coming in. So there's that fear, like, well, yeah. there's something over here. So you have to, you have to suss that out for, right? Like, am I missing something there? Because they're attracted to what you're providing. So is this a sub market of your niche? You have to evaluate that. But then you have some niches that you have to say, well, I'm not going to make X amount from this group. I service them very well. So those are those that's the business in this area. So then you have to now make a decision. Maybe you're a niche in markets that look like this. Maybe you're a niche you're a niche in um Fort Lauderdale, maybe you're a niche in Valdosta. Maybe you're a niche. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no. And that's right. and that's what I have what I have learned and what I've seen is that sometimes we just we get scared because it's a smaller group of people and you're not selling as much. And then there's also, it just might not be enough people to get you to where you need to get to. So you have to then identify like where they are and broaden your territory. Mm. Have you read right? a book called Blue Oceans? I think it's Blue Oceans. No. I forget the author's name off the top of my head. Um, but he's essentially just saying what you're saying as far as, far as finding a, a market. Um, but the main point that he had was that there's blue oceans and red oceans. Mm -hmm. And most people are the majority of businesses out there compete on red oceans. Um, mm -hmm. So everything is essentially commoditized. So you're just essentially competing on price. But when you find like a unique, um, I guess, sub market and get really, really specific about it, you start to find your blue ocean. The yeah. That you're actually talking to. Yeah. And there's no competition there because you serve them in a particular way. Yeah. Um, but like I said before, that was the hardest thing. And probably still is in anything yeah. I'm going to do in the future. Just being able to say no to business coming in. Especially when you're niching. Mm -hmm. it, it's tough because you're like, this is what we do. And what you do will attract will attract others. But is, and when I, when I say, say no, it is, okay, we go, how much resources are you going to put towards that segment? So you really have to find out, like, are they my customer coming from elsewhere or is this product being used a product or service mm. providing value in a way I haven't seen. So you have to really investigate mm -hmm. how your product and service are being used. Why people outside of what you targeted are coming. Right. hundred mm, percent. So, yeah. So you're, you're constantly it's a lot of evaluation const, constantly, Just constantly. Constant and as an entrepreneur, which is why the, uh, the freelancer community and the creative community is so, to me, is, is, is so dynamic is because you are constantly skilling up and retooling. You, you can't be complacent. No chance. Yeah. Right? Like, 100%. You, ha you have to know it. You have to be sensitive to it. Um, they call it agile, right? Yeah. And that's what's great about being a small, small team is this, the agility. We're able to do things more more quickly we're able to make pivots we also see trends um more quickly we were like mm, what is this about mm, mm. what is that about right yeah little here's a fun fact about me is that 
I got into affordable housing during the recession because it was the only thing I could sell. FHA was the only, FHA and VA loan, insured loans were the only game in town. Well, actually, FHA insured, VA guaranteed loans were the only things like that, only financing you could get. And that's how I serve, how I ended up surviving. And then down payment assistance was, was available. And I cobbled together some really great deals for home buyers for during that time. And that's how I was introduced to housing programs. And I said, wow, this is something we should be doing more of. We should be investing in. And how do I work with these organizations? That's how I fell into real estate. That is interesting. That's really how I fell into it. And I think you said something before. Do you think it's almost advantageous to be a small business at this point in time, as opposed to being a larger business? Because before it almost seemed, well, it was the fact that Larger businesses had just had more resources. Yeah. But it almost seems like now the playing field is being just completely level, just just evening. It is. I think, um, I don't know if it's, you know, they have the advantages, right? I think if I think being a small business is in being agile is 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 an advantage. Let's I, I cannot discount capacity. And I had this conversation on Monday. <laughs> about capacity. Okay. What was the, arc, well, the, the conversation? How hard it is to build capacity. Mm. And larger organizations, you know, you can't sleep on... Re- resources are important. Monetary and non-monetary. Cap- human capital, financial capital. To move on things. So to be a small business and not be properly capitalized or adequately capitalized mm. is not an advantage. Right? If you are a small business that can move on opportunities because you have capacity, that's an advantage. That is interesting. I feel like there's a, I mean, so, the way you describe it, it seems like there's a perfect midway point there. Let me describe it to you this way. There are okay. a lot of small businesses when you hear about access to capital and financial capacity. A lot of small businesses struggled to get financing and therefore struggled to grow because if you only have working capital enough to manage two contracts, then you're not going to grow as fast. 100%. Right? Because, which is why payment, payment terms were important and we had that, you hear that all the time, oh, I got to pay it in 30 days, I got to pay, because that's your working capital. But if you only have the resources to, to um, mobilize on two opportunities, you have to say no, lest you risk hundred <laughs> percent. Right? Yeah. Your failure, your reputation, or find yourself in a lawsuit because you can't perform. So, but a capitalized business grows faster because if they are, if they have patient capital, capital that's not debt, right? Yeah. Equity, when you hear about these companies that have, um, and I'm not talking about these huge tech startups. I'm talking about, you know, you get, you get $100,000 in equity investment and now you can hire. Now you can do more. That's the that's the that's the advantage. The, of, that's financial. That's, what, that's financial. The effect of financial capacity. That kind of feels like it could go backwards a little bit. I guess this day and age, in the fact that when you're not agile like that, right? Let's say you can't fulfill and grow, but if something is happening, it takes so long for you to be able to pivot, and you have all this fulfillment that you have to take care well, of. Well. So if you can't if you can't fulfill you can't grow that's a really really bad place to be because you if you can so the business that can fulfill on two grows at a slower pace doesn't mean they can't grow they grow slower 
than the business that has financial capacity. Same thing with operational capacity, right? Mm -hmm. If you have money and can't hire people or can't get machinery, you can't do what you, can't you can't get equipment, You mm -hmm. right? I have. You can have money for, to, if you are um, transporting, you, you, you lease trucks and you're transporting goods. If there's a shortage of trucks and you have capital, you, you have you lack operational capacity, therefore you can't fulfill. Gotcha. Right? Mm -hmm. So it, it so capacity, financial and operational, really are significant to growth. So if you are in a position where you you can't fulfill and therefore you you're not you should not be growing at a faster pace, right? Gotcha. Like if you if you have financial capacity for two contracts you're just going to grow two contracts. Right when time. these two are done, yeah. you're going to work on these two. And that and that's what it is. It doesn't mean you stop, but yeah. if you can't do both. That is not an advantage. That right? makes sense, yeah. And identifying your operational and financial limitations so you can create capacity is hard. <laughs> that, that was the conversation on money. And, and we said, you almost said operational capacity it precedes marketing because you don't, it will be a waste, right? And I, and I, and, and I said, you know, you, you might be right, but operational capacity is hard to, to create. Wow. That is a lot to factor in to put together. But like you're saying, I mean, that's a, that's a daily thing to be able to, um, Gosh, now I'm like rethinking. Yeah. And it's a challenge. And think about it now because you have to rethink how you one you got to know your business yeah. and you, you have to rethink how you're going to achieve this because now it's expensive to hire people especially so, after covid so you have to think about how you're going to work with them yeah. i like building the small teams of of entrepreneurial um businesses so if we're going to build out a marketing team Let's see how this works with contractors. If we're going to build out a sales team, let's see how we can do this with contractors. Not because I don't think those are services that should be in-house. I think there's a benefit to having sales and marketing in-house. 100%. Right? Mm -hmm. I think having some operational um, functions in-house. I think there's a, there, it, it's stability, quality control, all of those things, having it staffed in-house are real factors to consider. But because of where we are, this environment has changed, right? The, the labor environment has changed. So now you have to think about how to meet your operational capacity mm. needs mm. in a market that is not favorable to you, which mm. is why I say you have to mm, perspective and rethinking. Yeah. So you're, you're like constantly, side to see. Yeah, you're, okay. you, you're constantly saying, okay, well, maybe this maybe I need this marketing team, but maybe what I need is a project manager and then I can sub out the rest. You got to know your business to know where, where, yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, you, you have to fulfill yeah. and you have to grow. And it's hard. And that like the conversation right now is about operational capacity. And I'm like, this is so hard. I was like, Lord, why it's so, it's so interesting because it's one of those conversations <laughs> that is just constantly moving from a day-to-day -day basis. So yes. um, as the facts come in, you know, as the facts come in, it's the same as the facts come in. I forgot, I'm, I'm forgetting quotes, but I'm definitely mind blown. The facts come in, something changes. 
Something changes as the facts come in. That's what we're going to call it. All right. So before we everything get to is variable, last, everything is variable. You know what? Only that, constant is change. Mm, I better hit another button. <laughs> wow. I think this might be a record for the amount of buttons that we've hit in one. So before I ask you my last question, I'm going to give Brandon an opportunity to ask you a question because he had the face like he wanted to ask something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know the face. No. Okay. Um, we, we talked about on another podcast yeah. about reinventing yourself. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that was, you opened up with that. You mm-hmm. had to reinvent yourself. Um, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people do it because they're forced into doing it. A lot of people do it because they see that within whatever they're doing, that they have to evolve. Right. Mm-hmm. Was, I guess my question for you is, was it a, was it a, how long did it take you for, for that change to, to start to happen? You, the, the recession happened where you like, yo, I need to do this tomorrow. Or did you, how did that, what did that look like for you? So you said a couple things. I'm going to start with the last comment because I want to talk about evolution. Mm. From the recession until I won my first contract, so we're talking about four or five years, four or five years, mm. that was back against the wall. Right. right? That's back against the wall. Right. And after that, we had some challenges, which was personal challenges, which was also back against the wall. So about seven years, mm-hmm. some really challenging times, professionally then personally. Yeah. And then I moved into thriving. And I knew that I was evolving, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to articulate that. Right. Mm. I really didn't. And I've always been the realtor. I've always been the real estate broker, and I... Had to, to form myself. I have a very long, I keep a journal. And I have a very long journal entry about why, what am I doing now? Does this still feel right now? Mm-hmm. And I s- realized in that period, and this is months of introspection and prayer and tears, because the fear is always that you wasted your time. Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to, you feel like that. don't even want to contemplate it because right. of what you sacrificed. <laughs> yes. I gave up everything to... You don't even want exactly. to open your mouth and <laughs> that you may have wasted your time. <laughs> and um, I did not spend too much time on some things and with some people, but I did not waste my time. And where I landed with that is that I am an entrepreneur and my job, my career is to monetize solutions. Mm. That is what I am supposed to do is what I believe I'm here to do. And it still sounds and feels right today for me. Mm. Now, what that looks like in personal branding and marketing, I still really don't know. But to your point on evolution, which is why I started there and got and went to evolution, I am in the midst of an evolution now. And i that's why I want to change the way I introduce myself because I am more than a broker and more than a consultant. I am, I have, I plan to have a lot of commas. Yeah. And for a long time, we've always been told being a jack of all trades. And that's true. You want, you want to 
master what you're doing. But you, if you're fortunate enough to be blessed with more than one talent, add the comma. Mm. Just be good at it. That's good. Yeah. Punctuate properly. Right? Yeah. And mm. so I'm figuring that out, what that introduction will be. But I'm more than an I'm more I'm an entrepreneur, but I am more than an entrepreneur, I'm more than a realtor. I'm a lot of things and what that looks like, what right. that what that looks like in writing, I'm not sure yet. I'm really not and I'm I'm glad that I'm at a point where I'm okay with I've let not okay, I've let go of the jack of all trades. Mm. It's limiting. It's limiting. Yeah. You know, I I picked up an I picked up a skill um during the pandemic. Um I have real estate development ambitions and I was like, no, I, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So now I'm a developer, but I like tech and I'm learning a software language. Right. So am I a tech? Am I a woman in tech? Maybe. Yeah. But just, I believe I'm blessed and highly favored mm -hmm. to have more talents and I'm putting some commas. Putting some commas. I like that. I have another question. I know, I'm sure you do. <laughs> go for it. This is this is. Um, right, so I, I I also heard you mention you know mm -hmm. you're very faithful, and mm -hmm. when it comes to prayer, how specific do you have to get when you're in your in your prayer? How specific did you get when asking for these things? Real specific. Like how specific? Like you mean? Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So, it's like how like right now or like so my my journal my journal is is, is a form of prayer mm. and as i sit here right now i'm like i don't pray enough because it, i'm constantly i'm constantly talking to god I, people are like oh you're just talking a lot no i'm having a conversation you right. find prayer out of curiosity so there so there's prayer where you are just on bended knee and you pray, there's that. Mm -hmm. I do that. I am in constant communication. I'm constantly, you know, Lord, is this what it is? Or, you know, you just stop and you just have that moment. And I count that as prayer. And I count my journal as prayer because I get very honest in my journal. And, and it gets granular. It gets granular to the fear that, did I waste my time? I have, I'll share this statement with you from my journal from that very, um, back in 2018, where I said, am I still in this business because if I were to let it go, then I would have admitted mm. that I failed at it. Mm. There were some things going on at that time. And I said, if I stop doing this, then it wasn't worth it. So do you keep doing what you've been doing because you're scared that then that means you didn't do any, you know, it didn't work? And that was just not, that was the wrong perspective, right? right? And I had to really, I was in deep prayer with that. And, um, you know, what we talk, how we talk to ourselves and how we perceive things that didn't work out, mm -hmm. we don't see that 
the there's opportunities that have come. And when you've been in the ring a long time, right. you get disoriented. Yeah. Mm. You do. When when you when you've been punched. in in punched a couple times, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're disoriented. And you forget who you are. You mm. forget what has happened in your life. Right. Right? Like, wherever you are in your faith, I'm here because God said so. There you go. Mm. A lot of people didn't get the PPP loan. Businesses that made more money than me, that have been more staff people that I had relationship, didn't get it, mm. went out of business. I got it. Twice. I'm here for a reason. There you go. And that, I have to remind myself of those things. Also, the people you have have to talk to you like that. You need people who are for you, whether it fails, whether it succeeds, people that are like, no, you are this. Mm. And when you start talking like that, I'm going to remind you. And you don't need a lot of them. I have three. I have Tanny. Tanny? Uh -huh. No, Tanny. And that's all you no, need. No, Tanny, 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 <laughs> like, I, like, we're like circa, oh, circa a year ago, right? Yeah. And Tanny's like, dude, I'm going to be at your book signing and, you know, just shout me out. Just make sure that you shout mm -hmm. me out wherever you get to where you're going. And I used to think about, like, Tanny, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. What do you, what the, you know, but, you know, coming, coming full circle, you know, a lot of things that we talked about are starting to come into fruition and we're starting to implement plans to make these things come true. Yeah. You know what I mean? It took a lot of prayer, it took a lot of refocus. Yeah. That's the reason why I asked you, you know, how yeah. specific did you get? I used to Very be, specific. And and I used to I used to be the type of person like, God, just help me get get through the day. And I'm just like, you know, that's good. You know, and I felt like that's a start by opening a conversation with, you know, your higher power. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in more recent in more recent times, I've gotten a lot more specific in what I what I want, what I need, what I want to happen for other people, mm -hmm. for the people around me, for my family, my friends. So, you know, what you're saying right now makes 100% yeah. sense. And I'm glad that you shared that with me. And I will also share that when you open the conversation, Lord, get me through this day. That's enough. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, that's more than a service enough because there have been some days where you're like, today I'm going to quit. For a while, I was like, <laughs> I quit every day, but I get up and I do it again the next day. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it was hard. I get that. Every I say every day yeah. I make the decision to keep going. And every that's day. what it is. Yeah. And that's what it is. And, um, you know, just I I always recommend the journal because I have gone back and read some of those things and I'm like no yes I remember that it speaks to you yeah and when you open up the conversation and you are honest mm -hmm. not with your friends I'm talking about when you are honest with yourself and you can share that whether in writing verbally or however you do it then you have to listen mm -hmm. for the response gotcha that's that was the thing because some there's some days like between 10 and noon is a time that I um, I have calls and, you know, do business development and all of that. And there's sometimes in some days when I'm just like, I spend an hour just rereading my journal. My spirit just mm. leads me there. And the distress 
but then the hope and then this and then when it was like the gratitude for things that that happened and what I have in um in some of the <laughs> some of the entries I didn't even state what happened I was just happy right I was like Lord thank you for doing that thing and I was like what was that thing, was that thing? right <laughs> <laughs> you just but, there wrote it thank you yes <laughs> right and and it helped me and it still helps me and it um you know it it definitely I don't I couldn't do this I've grown the most spiritually it and maybe big things take time and because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't right and i'm learning that maybe it hasn't happened yet because the spirit is working some things out in you right right yeah. and that could be understanding what you're going to do with the money I recently learned some things about legal structures and investment that I'm like, man, I'm, I'm glad I knew that now, right? right? So when you and are maybe blessed. if I had it, there, there, you know, so maybe there, it's working you out too. Not everything is about the dollar. That was another lesson too. Right. Maybe some things are just being worked out, and I don't, I definitely don't think I could have done it without the prayer. I had some. In, Incredible people. I have some really good friends. I don't have a lot of people that I can that are like in my inner circle. Right. But if you have one, you are right. I have five. Yeah. I got four. But ten. And that and and that's that's a that's a blessing. People that are like, no, you're you're just you're gonna get there. Yeah. That they believe they believe in you more than you believe in yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. They're like, I have no doubt. I had one one friend I was like, I have no doubt in you that you're going to do this. And she said that years ago. And she's like, and I told you you're going to do it. And just like how you can have faith in people that, that and that's you passing that along. Like, you can see. I'm like, I know you're going to do it. But because they're in that yeah. and they're consumed by the prospect of what if it doesn't work? What if I made that mistake? And, and you bear that on your own because you know what's going on and you are trying to, you can't share that with everybody. And it becomes a lot. Yeah. It becomes a lot. And um, I just don't think I could have done it without the, the absolute recognition that the spirit is sustained me. I just, I don't think so. Wow, that's deep. It's funny because um, the last question I was going to ask you was a word of wisdom for people, but I feel like you just dropped a couple words of wisdom. Yeah. I'm still going to ask it anyway. <laughs> um, but before that, I want to ask one more question before. So I guess this would be the second to last. When does the book come out? I don't know. You know, um, so I feel like every time I see you, I'm going to keep asking you that question. You should. You should. I. I maybe there's something in the journal. Mm. Um. There's something in the journal that I should I should be writing about. That's a good question. Okay. It's all right. Just Maybe a speaking tour. Maybe a speaking tour. I don't know. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was like, okay, we'll see. Give us an excuse to bring her back and ask her yes. the same question again. Um uh, on behalf of all of us here and everyone listening, we just want to thank you for coming out. Oh, I mean, you, you dropped so me. many gems and absolutely. I know for a fact, and I'm sure Brandon does. This conversation is going to impact a lot of people. 100%. I hope so. I, this is um, this has been great. Again, I'm so proud of you guys, 
And I do not want to be stingy with the information. Round of applause, please. Yep. Get a couple buttons. Whatever it is, I am going to pay it forward and help help people who um, just need it. You know, it's so funny that how one small thing can just change. You're like, oh, is you know, is it was it a comma? Like, if you ever in Excel, yeah. Like, why is why is it not calculating? Right. <laughs> and then you're like, because you missed the you, you missed the parentheses. <laughs> you, you're like, what? <laughs> it was a parentheses. I can't stand I, Excel. Yeah, I, I, I hope. I hate, I hate Excel. I hope I, I is that it. one thing. So I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, was that? Thank you, Tanisha. <laughs> that is so true. Oh, those can be frustrating. Oh, with that, Tanisha, take us out with a word of wisdom. What do you want to tell someone listening out there? Um, just some word of encouragement or wisdom that they can take with them for the rest of their day. It's always seed time and harvest time. Can't leave it any better than that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Flipping Tables podcast. Okay.